Yo, listen up, here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world. And all day and all night, and everything he sees is just blue, like him inside and outside. Blew his house with a blue little window and a blue corvette, and everything is blue for him and himself and everybody around, cause he ain't got nobody to listen to. I'm I told you guys I'd play it. I, I was waiting on figuring out here what the maestro was up to. Yeah. I didn't I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the press box at Toyton Family Stadium. This is an inside joke. He said, I told you I'd play it. I was basically dared to play it. It was played at the game yesterday. Ah. Chris Brown was singing it, and he was completely butchering the lyrics. <laughs> I was a bit offended because, you know, when I was nine and this song came out, oh, this was a huge oh, song. Man, it was massive. Still good. Dong. I would almost catch I would almost catch it every day on MTV because they not TRL, but it was some other countdown show. And it was on there for like six months. Yeah. Yeah. The only song I can remember that was on that show for so long on like a top eight countdown or something like that was uh, Bone Crusher's Never Scared. Ooh, another. That was on those countdown lists forever. Another great song. But this one was so big, man. When that happened and it was, he says if I was green, I would die. And then they said, no, that's not it. And it's a whole it's fiasco. Got those, uh, the, the music videos has like the headbanging aliens. Yes. From, and it, it's like. That video so dated. You know what I mean? It looks like it was made in 2000. Very, very. You know how many videos are dated ah, at this back, point? Back this in the point, day, that was cutting edge. Right? That was. It was. It was like. Wow, I don't think it was. It was just. It was ridiculous. It more. It was more like, boy, these guys are from Europe, aren't they? That's how I. I just knew immediately. Well, every every green. All of these music videos were just set up in a certain way. They would just put them all in front of a green screen, yeah, right? Yeah. Depending on who it was, they might stick some strings to them and pretend they're marionettes. It was yeah. weird. It's weird stuff. You should do this as number one song of the day one day. This thing has a well, weird history behind it. Fun fact, uh, not a number one song. Really? Well, a number two? I, I looked it up actually during the break because I was curious. It peaked at number six. A oh. number six song of the you day. do a number six song of the day. Yeah. There you go. One time only. <laughs> well, let's add a, a fifth and a sixth to the show. Really, we just need a sixth because yeah. we technically have five. Wow. So when that person has to host, they can do the number six, six song of the day. That's I'm down, dude. That sounds great. Also, happy 420 because I think you got to be blitzed to really enjoy this song. Yeah, yeah me I'm, 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 I'm still waiting for my friends in Colorado to tweet out the usual scenes of clouds hanging over Civic Center Park in Denver, right outside the Capitol, which is hilarious. That's funny. And on the CU campus. The CU campus one is wild. Yeah. It's so, wild. So those photos will start in here in about 10 minutes. <laughs> See, okay, the, the Civic Center campus one is hilarious because the anti-marijuana legislators freak out 
every year because they can see it. Sitting there in the Capitol, looking out the window over Civic Center Park, and they get mad. Oh, man. It's weird. It's like I thought that weed had the opposite effect. You'd be like, ah, oh, that's no big deal, man. For I'm people cool. who don't smoke, yes. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be who I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh. Troy, have you ever tried marijuana? No, actually. Really? Living in Colorado, too. That's shocking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, not Like, you've never dabbled, like, edibles? No. Vape? Nothing. None of it. Mm-mm. Wow. Just haven't had interest? No. And did the, dare, did the D.A.R.E. program get you? Uh, not so much the D.A.R.E. program as just not a big smoke guy to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'm not either. The D.A.R.E. program is what got me to smoke weed. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you took him up on the D.A.R.E.? Yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah. the D.A.R.E. officer's like, now don't talk to Fast Eddie down there by the... <laughs> Mr. Dare Officer said your name's Fast Eddie and I'm supposed to get a weed from yeah, you. Come here, kid. I, I have a image of the Sister Mary Elephant bit with Officer Stadenko. I've Cheech no and idea Chong. Which, oh. Cheech and Chong. Way back. Yeah. Anyway, um Yeah, Officer Stadenko. That's a that's a classic <laughs> that bit is right a there. Really, that's funny. It's been a long time. Uh never have chewed tobacco. Ooh. Rarely, and I mean, maybe tops, if you really had to count it out, maybe two packs of cigarettes in my life. So at one, like, okay, I need I need a backstory on maybe two packs, because it's either you may be puffed on, I, I say puffed, I, you, you like <laughs> maybe tried a cigarette one time, or you were a smoker. There, there was There's the, not a whole lot in between, unless you like the, enjoy it when you drink or something. There was the brief couple of months maybe where I drunk smoked. Uh-huh. And so that went by the wayside after one of the mornings I just woke up and hated how my how my breath was, how my mouth felt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with that mess. That's me to a T. I, I never have been a regular smoker, never been someone that smoked during the day. Mm-hmm. But as soon, as soon as that beautiful golden beer Hits my lips. I go, you know what sounds like a real good idea? A couple cigarettes. Who's got one? I don't care what couple it is. A couple of Bernies. I kept going, let's run back some heaters and do this thing. Like, I don't know what it is, man. I've tried cigars. I'm not big on oh, them. Oh, yeah, I suck. And, yeah, so really, the only vice is the one that you guys love to give me heat for, and that is my Diet Coke. That's the only real vice out of the whole thing that I've got. Because, and, you know, it's funny. We do give you heat for it. You get a lot of heat for it, but it's because you're so addicted. It's oh, a crazy yeah. amount. <laughs> I'm fully aware. Of it's how a crazy I amount. Am. Like no, no joke. Like ballpark it. Like how much do you think you drink a day? Uh, at least four liters. <laughs> that's that's a lot. <laughs> that that's a lot. I, I, I would have guessed six. But if that's going to be that's... the one thing you do, I mean, that's you know, like it could be a combination of. A lot of different things, but Troy keeps it to Diet Coke. And 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 guess what I have on Friday? He's probably listening at this point as well. I got my yearly. Oh, no. He's going to go, you know, it's funny. I turned on the game. Uh-huh. And you're going to yep. go, yeah, that no, was a different Troy. Doc, Dr. Harrison will be letting me know. Yep. Mm-hmm. No rum in that Diet Coke? Troy uh, Troverdale, no. everybody. <laughs> Not four liters, no. You if, know, and, If I had and, a party invited you over, would you bring a six-pack? Sure. Okay. I may not drink the whole six pack. Okay. But Troy can have a beer. I Troy can sit back and have a beer. After my 
heart failure situation, I don't do more than two yeah. in any setting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, smart. Yeah, smart. absolutely. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. Beyond that, yeah, gone, gone are the days that the, uh, that the post-game beverage uh, <laughs> was flowing quite nicely <laughs> yeah. uh, with our uh, KSUMB get-togethers. That's <clears> right. <sighs> I can't think of a funny transition. What, well, I thought you were going to ask me. What? Five ever. Oh, we all know the answer. <laughs> and I think we all know the answer to the rest of us. No! I'm uh, speaking for us? <laughs> yeah, I'm speaking for all of us. We've never done it. Hold and on, we, I got to get the buzzer up because I want to see how much Yeah, we can't be. I'm not going to sit here and allow, so, let somebody. Scritch, 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 scritch. I'm not going to let somebody solely, solely our, good, <laughs> our good names. <laughs> I have never, I have never once gotten a pots and dubbed them up. <laughs> Scritch, scritch. scritch. <laughs> starts yeah, baby. It just like blew up. All right. like it blew up. <laughs> like I'm not a smoker either, Troy. <laughs> yeah. Not a, not. A, it's reason why I'm so short. I was around it too much growing up. It stunted <laughs> my growth. Too much. I call this bull on that. <laughs> I call bull because I was also smoked around as a kid, and pack I'm six day, one. Pack right? a day when I was eleven. <laughs> yeah. I had to give he it up. He smoked one plant. Ruined and my look puberty. at him now. See, guys, stay off it. <laughs> um, I, t- <laughs> I will tell you uh, that. I'm getting sweaty. There's, there's yeah, nothing better than a self-dig like no that. No doubt. That's <laughs> fantastic. Dude, yeah, like you don't have to be, though, anymore. I mean, I know you guys know. You don't have to be a smoker to enjoy For sure. THC. The edible game is so strong. Popping off. Yeah. One, of the, one of the funniest all-time incidents and I forget which New York Times writer it was, one of the columnists. Oh, boy. And came into Denver after it was all legal because she had to try it. She just had to get a feel for it. Never had had. So bought herself an edible brownie. Ooh. Didn't realize the first rule. You don't eat the whole brownie. Don't do the whole thing. Oh, no. You got to let it kick oh, in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. So national mockery <laughs> it's at just that like, point. I mean, it's just glue to the couch. It's what happens when some people like that go to Denver. They end up not leaving the hotel room. <laughs> like, I'm going to go to Denver right? and tear it up. Right. No, no, no. Order in. Sorry, your, your, your segue. Uh, let's talk K-State basketball again, guys. We got a, a new coach. I don't know if you've heard of him. Jerome Tang. <laughs> oh, you were that's not what you're gonna talk about. I was okay. gonna let you just take over. <laughs> okay, hey You got uh, this, buddy. All right. I believe in you. We all believe in you. You got it. Next up, Big Steve talks Jerome Tang and his impact on the basketball team. I, I love this. Third third thing in the search, literally. Columnist Bad Trip inspires pot edibles billboard in Denver. Yeah. Twenty fourteen, baby. <laughs> Did you guys hear about this new kid Jerome Tang signed today? Yeah, he's a camcorder. Camcorder, I can't believe. Let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) You gotta be. You don't have to be high to laugh at that one, guys. And that was a great joke. Cam Carter or Cameron Carter, as he's listed here in the uh, media release, becomes the second player for Jerome Tang in his class of 2022 that he has signed. Of course, you have Taj Manning who makes it three. 
But he signs today. He committed yesterday via the social media. 6'3", guard, 185 pounds. And he played in 27 games for Mississippi State last year with four starts, 2.1 points per game. Rebounded contest as well, about eight and a half minutes a contest as well. We talked plenty about Cam Cameron in the first hour, which that's going to be podcasted, of course. NewsRadioKman.com and just search for wherever you get your podcasts and find the game Cam in, or you can easily search for us as well. That I'm not as high on him as I am with Jarrell Colbert. I totally trust the eye and the coaching ability of Jerome Tang and company to turn this guy into a pretty decent player, but he's certainly not a headliner or will not be the headliner of no matter how big this class does get. He'll probably be medium or towards the bottom. I am high on Jerome Colbert, and again, if you want to hear more on that, newsradiokman.com, on-demand tab, find the podcast. Now, it was also announced earlier today, KSET Athletics announces their Academic Incentive Award Program. This is something universities have been able to do since, I believe, 2020. But it was reported just a week ago that just 22 of the 130 FBS program schools had put together and figured out a budget and put together their incentive program. K-State has rolled theirs out just a few days after West Virginia did, and I believe about half the Big 12 will be compensating their student-athletes that are under scholarship this year, and K-State will start theirs theirs next year. Now, I'll give you the simplified version of the story. So, with the recent ruling, student-athletes, I'm going to read here from the release here, student-athletes are now eligible to receive a yearly academic incentive award for $5,980. I believe that number is set because they did a bunch of the incidentally did a bunch of calculating and they decided that's like the max somebody could earn when it comes to a player that receives like player of the year or even the Heisman trophy. That'd be like the what they could make off something like that, which seems pretty low to me. But here's how K-State has decided to divvy up the money. So, of course, I mentioned it goes to student-athletes that are under uh, some sort of scholarship. Those are walk-ons. It sounds like, sorry, buddy, I guess you're not uh, considered (laughs) in this incentive. But the way K-State is going to do this, they're going to award 25% of the permissible award amount based on his or her individual scholarship equivalency on a semester-by-semester basis. And then the rest of that money, they will get... Once they get their degree, hmm. I love the way they set that up because you can easily just give it to them, like the whole thing throughout the year. But you know, you want people to stay around, right? So dingle the uh, dangle the carrot a little bit, give them a piece, give them a taste, and then once they're done, they'll get a whole bunch of money to get them started with their lives. I mean, this is a big deal for those that aren't going to make a whole lot of money with the NIL or selling jerseys and get that piece of the pie. Not everybody can be Deuce Vaughn. Some are going to ride the bench, but at least now those individuals, those under scholarship that may not see the field and people aren't going to know their names, now at least they're going to get a little bit of something. Six grand a year, that's really not too bad. I think it's fair the way K-State's doing it. I mean, Iowa State, they have decided that they're just going to give all their athletes a lump sum of money once they graduate. Wow. So they might even leave without getting a penny. Wow. So I think that's a little bit too much. The way K-State's doing it, it is 
totally fair. I like it. I, I, I like how K-State handled this. I thought it was very fair the way they did it. That's all I really got to say about it. That's I think it's a job well done. I'm glad they've started it now as well. I'm so proud of K-State Athletics for deciding, like, hey, here's it is what it is. This is what's going on in the world of college athletics. What are we going to do about it? Being proactive and building things like this. This is just the start. This thing could turn into something else even greater and better for for K-State athletes, and I'm glad that we've already got a start on it, and that's cool. Also, yeah, a little bit cash as in, like, you said six grand a year. Yeah. So if you go for four, if I'm doing my math right, if I'm doing my Manhattan High slash K-State math right, 24000 bucks? Are you kidding me at the end? That's a lot of All cash. together, yeah. Yeah, to start to like start your second life basically over is with 24 grand. That's amazing, man. Um yeah, I love that. That's awesome. K-State on the forefront of a lot of cool stuff right now. Now, it does cuz K-State's budget on this is going to be around a million and a half dollars to make sure everybody's covered. Right. So, there is going to be fundraising that is going to be done with that and K-State's already received you know, donations around six hundred thousand dollars to make sure these student athletes are are getting some money. So, Dude. just all together, I think this is all around really good news yes. for K State. All right, let's take a timeout because coming up next, really fun interview coming up with Classy Cats head coach Sarah Heptig and her captain Emmy. Up next, I do have a couple more thoughts. Just to finish up on the uh, discussion about the academic incentive program K-State has installed for student athletes to get about six grand a year, those are that are under scholarship. Uh, a couple more things, you know, there, when it comes to the school and the athletes, I mean, there is something for both of them, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a part of this incentive is to have good grades. I mean, that's a huge part of it. You got to have good grades to get the money, and of course, with good grades, that does. I mean, it makes K-State look better. K-State's already been pretty good when it comes to, like, team GPA, those that graduate, high graduation rate, and also landing student-athletes on, you know, academic All-Big 12 teams, commissioner honor roll, all those kind of things. Well, with better grades, you're going to get a better team GPA. You're going to look better as a program, not athlete, not just athletically, but academically as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think – I don't know for certain if coaches do have a clause in their contract of when your team has good grades, you get a little bit of a bonus. I know Nick Saban at Alabama could get an extra $100,000 if the team GPA is so high. Uh, and I know there's more coaches out there like that as well. But it makes everybody look good. Yeah, it you does. Know? Yes, it does. A little extra incentive for the university who's dishing out this cash. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to uh, this interview I've been looking forward to. I, I mean, I'll admit I recorded it yesterday, but it was a really fun interview to talk with uh, K-State Classy Cats head coach Sarah Heptig and the captain of the team, Emmy Bidnick, who joined me yesterday. Uh, coach, we'll start with this team just won a national championship not too long ago down in Orlando, Florida in the Palm competition. How does it feel to be a national championship winning coach? Ah, it still feels like a dream. Just hearing you say that sounds really nice. <laughs> How about you for Emmy as a competitor? It feels great. This has always been my goal. So to be able to achieve it on my very last go around was 
just incredible. Well, I want to take this back a ways because I want to know what did it take to get there? How do you get this opportunity to compete in Orlando for uh, this uh, competition in the national championship? We owe so much to Dr. Frank Trace for giving us that opportunity. Um, the Classy Cats have not competed at the national level um, since, I want to say, 2013. So it's been been many years. And uh, when I took over coaching, um, our first year, first couple of years, we were not competing. And um, we love supporting the school and doing all the wonderful things here at the university. Um, but I felt like a little bit was missing not having the opportunity to compete against other dance teams and to be able to dance in a different way um, that many of our athletes are are used to dancing or they train their whole lives for. It's a lot different than what we do on game days. So um, it was a goal of mine to be able to take the team to a national level competition. And um, thankfully for Dr. Trace, we were able to compete virtually last year. Um, we did a jazz routine last year where we submitted a video um, and we were able to, to receive third place. Um, and this year um, in the fall, we were given permission to compete and person and we got kind of a late start we started our learning our routines in december and january um, we wanted to make sure our full focus was on everything that we needed to do for the university um, and our spring semester things slowed down a little bit uh, so we were able to focus more on nationals in the spring semester so um, in january um, we've been we started training we were doing four days a week about two and a half to three hour practices um, they gave up um, about half of their spring break um, and some of their weekends as well to be training and building up stamina, cleaning the routines, getting them ready um, until we competed. So bear with me. So what I know about dance or you know, like cheerleading or things like that all come from uh, the Netflix documentary Cheer. So that's really all I know about it. So my, I don't know too much about what it what goes into it. So this is where I want to go to you, Emmy. Your coach just talked about all that practice. It goes back to the winter months. Was it a grueling three or four months getting ready for that? Was it tough? Was it easy? It was really difficult, especially since this was our first year. Most of our time was spent figuring out what needed what needed to be done since we don't really have the systems in place yet. So it was a big learning year. It was a lot of um, repetitiveness, doing things over and over again. And we kind of start with an outline of a dance and reshape it. And we got our final product like the night before we went on stage so it's a lot of the same and especially from an outside eye people would be like why are you doing the same thing over and over again but it's really important we go down to like your pinky finger we all have to look the same and um move as one so the whole visual is just pleasing to the eye yeah from what i know about that documentary of course it's when it's judged it's judged pretty tightly you can't afford too many mistakes but coach so you had to go through prelims first. And in Palm, you guys did finish in first place. When you saw that first place finish, so how confident were you moving into the next day in the finals about winning it all after you went through that first routine? I actually believe coming out of prelims in first place is not the best position to be in because I think it's very easy to to get comfortable and to get confident. And I was I was nervous with this being our first time having been there. And we had a lot of inexperience in our dancers um, of understanding what that meant. And we were it was a very tight competition with in prelims. Between 
between us and Arizona State, and they are one of the best teams in the country. And I knew that they were going to have a lot of drive and a lot of motivation and that they were going to be able to utilize that night and that practice and, and everything leading up into finals. So I wanted to make sure that we had that same mindset of this is not over yet. There's a lot of things that can happen. Um, and so we tried to be very excited in the moment, um, but it was a very quick moment because it was back to business. Um, we had another routine that we competed that afternoon. And then we had a couple hours of worth of practice that evening where we were trying to fine tune the routine and um, and make it better. So we were very excited, but also um, it made me nervous. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was very exciting. Speaking with Classy Cats head coach, Sarah Heptig and senior captain Emmy Bidnick here on the game. So now, Emmy, you guys are getting ready for your your final routine. Was that nerve wracking for you and the team? Did you feel like you were ready to go for that final attempt? I think we were. As Coach Heptig said, we practiced that night before, and that was the most important practice we'd had that whole year. Um, We had a really special atmosphere that we had, and just we listened to the song all morning long and we got in our mindset and as soon as when you're backstage and you hear the dance before you their music ends normally there's shoots some nerves through your system but we were all holding hands and we knew this was the last time that we were going to get to do our dance so i think we were more excited more than anything and just proud that we had made it this far so we didn't have much to lose since this was our only our first year so we were just ready to give it our all all right, Coach, after the final, how how good did you feel about that performance? Did you feel like you had it in the bag? Was it close? Were you nervous? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I was so incredibly proud of the performance that they put out there. Um, and one of my favorite moments was um, going backstage after we performed because there's a little area where we sit as a team and watch the performance. So that was one of my favorite moments all weekend long is every time after we finish, just getting to see them sitting around watching and then listening listening to them watch it and they would cheer for each other and they would it was all those moments that made that so special so to me that was our priority of what is the feeling when we get when we leave the floor and and that was everything we could have possibly asked for and then when it came to what was going to happen i actually i had no idea um it was actually very close when they when they were doing the award ceremony they got to first and second place and before they announced second place they said it's within 0.3 difference between the two teams. And and in that moment, it it honestly could have gone either way because we actually, um, before the awards, we had what's called the palm battle. And so the palm battle is where the the competition selects and the judges select their favorite palm routines of the entire competition. So we were one of three teams that were selected. And so was Arizona State, who is our, our, our biggest competitor. And when we had the opportunity to watch them live in the battle, um, got to see how incredible they were. They're they're just an incredible, dynamic, powerful, uh, just an incredible team. So it almost heightened our nerves a little bit because we knew that the competition was very, very, very tight. So, um, but I just I do go back to when I watched them and after we left the performance floor. You know, the national championship title was uh, of course something we were hoping for, but all along it was how do we feel and and what do we feel like when we're finished? And that was. In our minds, it was our national champion performance. So regardless of the results, we were all very proud. So, Emmy, take me through the emotions. The results are being read. You're getting closer and closer to that first place. You're not hearing K-State yet. 
and then you get to second place, and you still hadn't heard K-State yet. I mean, I, I knew if it was me. All right, we won the national championship. I can't contain my emotions anymore. I want to go nuts and celebrate. But what was it like for you and the team? Um, I felt like we were all just, like I said, we were holding hands, and we were in a really big clump, and you can hear everyone like breathing next to you. That's how close you are. And once they announced Arizona State as second place, I think we all just, like, we were tense, and we just kind of, melted into each other and that was that was it then they announced Kansas State and there's really loud music playing and we all got up and we ran to the center and it's a core memory for sure I'm never going to forget how I felt then well I mean you can't cap off a senior year better than that I would imagine did you guys do anything fun to celebrate coach we uh, that that evening we had a little pizza party back at the hotel where we invited our families um, and just had a chance. We, we brought the trophy and the banner and um, and just got to celebrate in great company and, and have a chance. They worked so hard from the moment that we got there on Friday. We had a five-hour practice that day and then came back to the hotel and then had more practices at the hotel that night. So And then Saturday was prelims and, and Sunday was final. So it wasn't really until Sunday night that I feel like they were given the chance to, to relax a little bit and, and, and like I said, and enjoy each other's company, which is what it was all about. That's really cool. Well, Coach Heptig, you are now a national championship winning coach. You're building this dynasty with the K-State Classy Cats. I'm sure a lot of young ladies out there would love to be a Classy Cat someday, including my girlfriend's daughter, Eva. She's 13 years old, a really good dancer, and she has the potential to make it that far. But what advice would you give to the young ladies out there that might want to be a Classy Cat someday? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, of, of course, there's a foundation of dance that is, is important. So I think what I always tell people is there's not a required skill set, but it's just a, a, a drive and a work ethic. And whatever whatever level you're at, technically, ability wise, is to just keep pushing yourself and growing. And and I think that that's important. But then even more important is that we're looking for for good teammates that that care about putting the team first, putting the university first, um, that, that are going to care for each other. We really try to encompass the K-State motto of family. And I feel like that is exactly what we are. That's what we felt when we were down there. And I think that's what also made it so special is that our team has such a close bond and it's not about um, trying to outdo the person next to you. It's trying to lift the person up to you. Up, ne- lift the person up to you. Ne- well, I'm not saying that right, but lift the person up um, that is beside you um, and make them more important than yourself. And just seeing it at nationals, where I feel like it's the epitome of everything. I, I felt them doing that for each other, and they were truly doing it for the person next to each other. So um, I think that mindset is probably one of the most important things about about coming to k-state in general and, and, and being on our team is that that you love people you love the university and you're going to work hard so my last question is for emmy what's next what, what are your plans for uh moving on after k-state well i'm actually going to stay back in manhattan for an extra year and work on my master's i'm going to get my master's of accountancy um so once i have that maybe i can help a little behind the scenes with classic cats we'll see um i'd love to once i get my footing in the real adult world i'd love to coach and take after coach Heptig, um and hopefully make my own footprint with a different program and keep dancing as long as i can well coach Heptig and emmy again 
congratulations on the national championship. All of K-State is proud of you. Coach, on to the next one, I'm sure, when it comes to a national championship, but best of luck to the both of you. Thank you so much. Once again, from the Classy Cats, that's head coach Sarah Heptig and Captain Emmy Bidnick. All right, coming up next, number one song of the day. Yeah, I think everybody knows this one from 1973. Bad, bad Leroy Brown by Jim Croce. Two weeks and number one. Decided to go with another folk song. Technically folk. But an American folk and rock singer-songwriter from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He was a struggling musician playing dive bars and frat parties for many years. Definitely while he was attending Villanova. And then his parents gave him a $500 gift at his wedding. He turned that money into making his first record and then just blew up ever since. Nice. His best friends, when he became famous, Arlo Guthrie and Cheech Marin. How about that mix? (laughs) Wow. And he also had a slogan. I really like it. His slogan was, if you dig it, do it. If you dig it a lot... Do it twice. <laughs> well, it would explain being a friend with Cheech. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, on the night of Thursday, yeah. September 20th, 1973, he was leaving a small town after a small show in Louisiana, and as the plane, small plane was coming off the runway, the left wing clipped a tree, and he passed away in a, in a plane crash at the age of 30. Mm. If you looked at him, though, he did not look 30. He looked a lot older he did, than yeah, that. He did. Uh, unfortunately, it was kind of a Kobe situation. It was turned out the reason they didn't see the trees because it was a little too foggy to fly that day. Yeah. Ouch. But his wife, songwriter as well, she and her, the son, their son, AJ, have continued to perform. And uh, five studio albums for Jim. Eight top 40 hits. This is his first of two number ones. Now... This is from his fourth album, Life and Times, and it's set in a, uh, a hard scramble section of Chicago. Story tells, uh, well, it tells the story, the song does, of Leroy Brown, the baddest man in the whole damn town. He's big and dangerous, loves loved by the ladies and feared by the men. But one day he picked a battle he can't win, making a move on the wife of a guy who leaves him looking like a jigsaw puzzle with... Some missing pieces. Ouch. A little dark there. So Jim Croce, he would introduce this song. When he introduced this song, he said there were two people he encountered with when he was in the military who inspired this song. A sergeant at Fort Jackson and a private at Fort Dix, which is in New Jersey. 
Now, the actual Leroy was the sergeant, but it was the private who went AWOL. So, like, the, the big guy is based on one person. The mentality of this big guy was based on somebody else. The private who went AWOL, and when he, he returned to get his paycheck. <laughs> and maybe fought with the uh, MPs when they found him. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, not a great idea to leave the military and then show back for a paycheck. Not a good idea. Now... If you recognize his song, maybe you heard it in the uh, in the '97 movie Home Alone 3 from the parrot. I kind of remember that. <laughs> that. That well, that's the only thing we remember from Home Alone 3, right? This is a horrible movie. Frank Sinatra also went on to cover this song. Really? Yeah. Croce was nominated for two 1973 Grammy Awards for Pop Male Vocalist and Record of the Year. Billboard ranked this the number two song out of 1973. Wow. Now, of course, there's another number one song he had. We'll save that for a later day, but he does have a pretty impressive catalog. Like he, I don't know if he's ever written a bad song. I'm not the biggest like folk music fan, but Jim Croce, I am a fan of. This song Operator rules. is a really good one. Yeah, this, uh, this song rules. He rules. Yeah, it's too bad cut short life all right we'll take a time out when we come back dgs ask us anything next one three five zero k m a n that's where we're at and i want to today ask a k or not ask a hero but what well, well, would you uh Rather Wednesday for Ask Us Anything. First question. We talked about it off the air, but you guys are dumb. Would you rather eat prime rib with a spoon or soup with a fork? It's no question soup with a fork. That's How are you going to eat soup with a fork? If you get like broccoli and cheddar soup. Okay. So you get little chunks. Soup fixings. Yeah. 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 I'm talking about soup as in the liquid. Yeah. Okay. So you're talking more like tomato soup. Because I'm just, yeah, I'm. Like, I, if you had a big old slab of prime rib and then you try to cut it with a fork, I don't think it's going to work. You mean a spoon? I mean it a spoon. It doesn't matter. A fork or a spoon, it's still not going to work out as well as you'd want it to. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. Here, so Here's where you've gotten off track. We can hold the prime rib with the spoon while we use a knife. No, no knives. No knives. What is soup? Like with soup, I mean, there's no point to eating soup if you're not getting the liquid. Right, exactly. Mm, uh, but there's no point of prime rib if you ain't getting any prime rib. I hey, got two hey, hands. you can uh, scoop it you, like a shovel. If you shoveled it and in just, and just ate. Yeah, if I you got, shoveled the whole. Oh my God. Screw if you, that. I got two hands, man. If you, if you shoveled the whole prime rib in one scoop and then put it in. Okay. Yeah, okay. All you got to do is be like a snake and unhinge your jaw, and there you go, done. Wow. Okay. I'm learning a lot today. Uh, would you rather have all of your Google searches made public or all of the pics on your phone? Pics. Pics on my phone. Nothing. I'm not hiding anything. No hiding. I mean, but- I'm damned either way, so I'll do Google <laughs> search. Same. I- I'm not going to lie. I got some weird stuff going on. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Um. Hey, would you rather sing everything that you say or dance every time you walk? Oh, that's easy. Dance, every one of these is oh, it's just dance easy. every time I walk. Listen, that's my way of getting through a crowd listen, of people. This is not if easy. I need to zigzag. I'm gonna boogie my way through. No, no, I'm not talking about getting through a crowd. I'm talking about walking down the halls of Man and Broadcasting. You'd be breaking it down every time. I, I just had the image of Eddie Murphy's joke from Raw talking about when they gave Elvis his contract for movies. 
They just had him sing his lines. <laughs> They're like, don't worry about it. Just sing the whole thing. We well, got to win this race. <laughs> <laughs> and, and nobody in this room, I can, other than Sage, who just showed up, Hi, uh, can sing. Yeah. Now, Big Steve sings in a different way. Voice isn't I, I was oh. going to say, speak for yourself. He can do it. I just think that would get old. <laughs> Dancing every time you walk. And what if you're walking down the streets of Morganville? They'd probably shoot me. Yeah, they'd be like, yay! The big city's changed him. One more would you rather. Would you rather go to jail for six months or go to jail with a Rubik's Cube and be able to leave whenever you figure it out? Rubik's Cube. Troy, I think you're on After my side. After a while, you would figure out the algorithm to a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I don't think I'm figuring out any you algorithm. You underestimate my lack of pattern recognition. Absolutely. Right? I, I, I'm taking the six months and just going to beef up and come back and be like, give me that prime rib. Uh, can can you remove the stickers? <laughs> me and Troy will see you in jail. <laughs> <laughs> write us, please, write us. The, the only thing I worry about is getting frustrated and then just slamming this Rubik's Cube across the cell uh-huh. You wall. did say that, but then you brought and up... And then what the hell happens now? Dude, you brought up a good point, though. Then you can put it back Break together. It. You can put it back together with all the parts, you know, all the pieces where they're supposed to and go. And then a guard comes in and just beats the hell out of me <laughs> with a club. That's going to do it for the game. We will uh, be a little bit short tomorrow. Depends on when the Royals get done. And then we have a best of on Friday. But for Big Steve, DG number two, I'm Mitch. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Cats! Go Cats!